VoiceAmerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now here's the host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Morning, happy holidays, all of that kind of stuff. It's Stars of PR, and today we are talking about some very interesting topics. I think that the listeners will be interested, and um, one of the topics is something that I'm very interested in. I can't wait to hear more about it, and it's Dr. Kathleen Varick Rosenblatt, who is heading up 911 Truth LA. Am I right? You're heading it up, expose the deception. Um, I. Okay, well, it's it's really um, interesting stuff. I read through all the materials, Kathleen, and um, you know, I uh, the reason why this group has to be, um, you know, invited and receive and the message has to be received by all of the people that you want to reach is because it questions authority, and it has good reason to question authority because, like a lot of people. You know, a lot of people really don't quite buy the message that, gee, this was just an attack by terrorists. Am I right? That's correct. You know, it's just a natural thing to think that, you know, it must be foreigners. No one in our government or our country could do that because we're so morally superior to everyone else. Whereas when you start to see the evidence, you realize that this is much more horrific than what we thought occurred. No, it was bad enough. I think, you know, would you agree that there's, uh, no, you know, um, this is not your. These are not your labels, Kathleen. They're really mine. Okay, um, <laughs> but there are the people. When, when you look, when you look at America today, when you look at America politically, there are the people that are very um, somewhat patriotic. Don't want to question the government. You know what they're told, they'll buy. You know. And in places like Louisville, Kentucky, where I had the great fortune to live and work for six months, I say sarcastically, you know, you see, you know, people that really um, won't question things. Mm -hmm. The media doesn't question the government because they're very conservative. Um, So basically their PR, um, you know, releases in the major newspaper for what the government wants to say. And then there's the other kind of people, you know, that... Say, oh my God! Do they really think they could pull this one? Over? You know, can they pull the wool over my eyes like this? Right. Well, it uh, takes a certain threshold. I mean, it's it's so shocking that even the most liberal, progressive people uh, who are against the war and against voter fraud and and the depleted uranium, they can't all seem to go there to what, what we're about to talk about, which I guess we should let people know what we're talking about because it's well, so yeah. shocking. It's just you know beyond the pale, and it's taken me three years. I mean, I got it right away when I was informed. But the first two years, I just mourned 9-11 like everyone else did. And then when I was told that this was an inside job, that our government arranged it, I, I was in tears. I couldn't believe it. But then well, the first video I saw, it was very, very clear. Okay, so who is it that showed you the video, you know? And... Well, it was just a friend who was very much more political than I was. I really wasn't political until these last vote these last election frauds, and I started getting more and more political. But then when this one was laid in front of me, then I've just become <laughs> a bit of a nut about it. Okay, well, you know, when I'm an acupuncturist and metaphysician, I wasn't, I, I always thought uh, politics was kind of hopeless and helpless. Uh, well, but as an acupuncturist and, you know, and physician, you, you understand structural stuff, you know? Well, yes, you had to then... know the human body, so now you understand structures and, I'm sure it was easy for you to understand the message that, you know, buildings, you know, can't fall um, the way that you have to really look at how the buildings fell down. Right. I mean, I've studied a lot of these things, and the scholars and structural engineers have explained the basic facts that no steel frame building has ever collapsed from a fire. They only come down from earthquakes or controlled demolition. Even after 18 hours of raging infernos, the, the interior might be gutted, but the structure never comes down. Yet that day, after a brief hour-long fire, which is nothing, it was already fading. The black smoke indicates that it was oxygen-deprived and it was going out. And this is confirmed by the firefighters' records and transcripts. Okay. And yet they fell at 10 floors per second, which is preposterous. I mean, it takes a half a second to just drop your keys from your waist. 
So imagine 10 floors per second, which is nearly free fall speed. And that's impossible in the real world, unless it was full of incendiaries and explosives, which you know they've actually identified. There's the, the uh, Brigham Young University professor physicist, Stephen Jones, who studied this, and he actually found evidence of thermate, which is an incendiary used in controlled demolition. And then, you know, everyone says, oh, well, jet fuel burns so hot. Actually, jet fuel doesn't burn hot at all. It's, it's only kerosene, and it burns nowhere near the blowtorch temperature that it would be needed to soften 200,000 uh, 200, tons of steel. Okay, but the jet other question is, is how about the impact? from the planes? Well, the jet fuel, first of all, I want to just add that it mostly burned off on impact. We all saw that giant fireball, especially on the second tower. Yes, that was and very the, cool. the airplanes were like mosquito bites for that building. I mean, the buildings were overbuilt. And, the, the you know, it made a small hole, you know, which included 10 floors. But remember, there were 110 floors. And, you know, it was just, it was the fire was on its way out. There are photographs of people standing in the openings that are completely... You know, not they're not you know white slacks and long hair. The, the fire was really on its way out. And when you saw the Nova uh, documentary or read the commission report, they have completely removed the evidence of the 47 major columns that were coming up the middle of the building. They just took them out. You know, if you see the Nova, they're gone. Whereas if you look at any of the old films, the one they were building, and you can see these major, major structures, they're holding it up, spindles that should have stood. Even I'm, if I'm riveted. Um, you know, I'm sitting here biting my nails. I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, it's no, so horrible. Not, I'm just like, it's very, you know what, it, it should be so scary. I mean, you know, I'm really, really hoping that, you know, people can understand this and that it's explained in a way that it's not, you know, that, that it could reach, the message could reach people could really start questioning authority themselves so that we could change government. I, you know, I told you I was a little bit of a liberal, and, a <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, it's just this is the kind of stuff that really freaks me out. I find this scarier than, you it know. It is. There's nothing scarier than this, which makes it such a volatile tool, like once people realize, because now it's become much more respectable and respected as an, it's no longer the fringy, weirdo thing that people, you know, conspiracy theory, like it's, you know. Now it's getting out there. It's, it's continually on C-SPAN Book TV. And tomorrow night we are putting on a screening at UCLA at Royce Hall. And uh, it's one of the most venerable proponents of this theory, which is Dr. Ray, David Ray Griffin. He is a uh, professor emeritus of theology. And he has really de- dedicated a lot of time to show you know, this, this evidence. And there's no one more convincing. He's so elegant and eloquent that you could bring your most staunch Republican cousin or uncle to this screening and be very, very impressed. You know what? I'm really... It, would it be okay if I went? Oh, we'd love for you to come, Cindy. Okay, Absolutely. because I'm like, you know what? You really... <laughs> there, it's very, very <laughs> infrequent, and my engineers know that, that a guest on my show can actually stump me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you know we'd love to have you because it's it's so interesting and, and funny uh, and sweet I, and, and the, just, the videographer is coming down from Marin County. This is going to be the LA premiere, and then he's going to San Diego, and he's been showing. And where else have you been? Well, we have put on so many screenings of many different films, and now the quality of the films is getting very very high. We are now in the process of sending a DVD of a different film to every member of Congress, every governor, and every state attorney general and about 60 actors. And we have some, you know, we have Ed Asner and Graham Nash signing on to this letter that's going out, and several other uh, celebrities that are just about ready to come on board. I mean, they, they need the, the force of, of a group. You know, no one person can stick his neck out. Cause this is no. Really well, we could talk scary. about that in the next segment. I don't want to, I think one, this is so, um, again, this is so amazing. This is a message that can change America, and I don't mean to sound corny, okay? I know what uh, you mean. And um, I want to talk in the next segment about, you know, maybe how, you know, I would love to help you get the message out as a volunteer because I love taking on causes mm-hmm. that I really believe in. <laughs> 
and um, you know, want to ask you about getting the message out, and you know, what kinds of you know obstacles you may have run into, or maybe not. And we're going to come back in the next segment. Don't go away. This is something everybody has to hear about. What really happened on 9/11 with Dr. Kathleen Fenwick Rosenblatt? Stay tuned. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production of 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment that's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L entertainment com or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio, rock and roll productions, we do it all. www.rakn.rollentertainment.com Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk with president of Traveras, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show, here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back with a very, very serious subject matter. So, for those of you that are listening, the truth about 9 11, I want to thank Dr. Kathleen. Um, Ferrick Rosenblatt, Kathleen, I'm so sorry. It's the three names that always stump me, okay? I, I don't get stumped by, you know, I, I am very stumped I'm by what you're telling me, but name. your name also, okay? It's the three <laughs> names early in the morning, okay? Um, so I want everybody to really listen to this because, you know, Dr. Rosenblatt has really um, pulled together a lot of evidence that, you know, 911 didn't necessarily happen by the other guys, the internationals the scary people that we want to make into demons and point our fingers at. It might have just happened right here in the United States of America. And it isn't necessarily the Bush regime or the Republicans. It's the whole caboodle. It's the corporations behind that have profited so extensively from these private, privatized wars and you know, going into Afghanistan for the pipeline and the Patriot Act, making us all kind of, you know, I mean, even the L.A. Times ran an article the other day about the the war against the middle class. And it's yeah, I read that. I, it, you know, it's it's interesting how people don't want to. I think there's a psychological problem, and you mentioned it before. You know, you mentioned that the Gestalt of the United States was walking around sort of in a, you know, in denial for the first two years. I mean, we were all shell shocked. Okay. You know, people when people face trauma, you know, 
you know, it's like death. You know, you don't want to accept it. And, you know, so now people are finally waking up and trying to put things back together in their minds, so to speak. Right. When you see the the, uh, the footage of the news programs on that day, you hear people constantly saying, oh, there were explosions going off. Dan Rather says, my God, this came down just like controlled demolition. And yet after that, it was completely erased. and We all went into this hypnosis of, you know, foreign terrorists and Osama. Well, seven of those hijackers have been reported alive by the BBC and Reuters. Well, is, how is that possible? I mean, oh, no. because they were because imposters. They, 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 they were... They probably weren't even hijacked. I mean, those were actors. No, that's what I was asking. Okay. The planes that's... were probably, even if they used those actual planes, they were probably remote controlled because every large aircraft like that has the capacity to be con- controlled from the ground in case of hijacking. So, you know, and they have even more special hi- uh, remote control abilities and capabilities, which may or may not have been added. But, you know, the, the ability to have piloted those planes into those buildings, let alone the Pentagon six feet off the ground, is really very extreme. Yeah. Well, I told you, I, I think I told you in email that um, I watched it, you know, you know, yeah. iView. You know, it wasn't TV. I actually was at LaGuardia Airport. And, um, you know, it just didn't look kosher. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it looked very... I mean, again, this can be my own mind protecting me because when you read about war trauma, you hear that people kind of go into comic book mode. It's a way to accept something horrifically, you know, hard to take. Way to put it. And, um, you know, I went into comic book mode. I'm like, you know, and then, you know, just to reinforce your theory on a microcosmic level, okay, the tapes at LaGuardia Airport, that went over the public speaking system, you know what? They just put it on right away. And what it said was, we are, you know, we are in, there's a war situation going on. Like right away, there's a war situation going on. Get out of the airport now. And I was interviewed about it because I was just, and I'm sure that they didn't keep my interviews. It was ABC TV that, kept on running, you know, my interview over and over again. And the reason why they interviewed me is because all of these people didn't want to leave their bags in the airport. <laughs> you know, where's my bags? And I'm like, listen, come on, let's just go. Let's just go. But it was so, it, how could they have had that pre-recorded? Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, there are so many bullet points that are probably important for us to get out there. For instance, for 35 years, we had an arrangement that if there was any kind of problem with an aircraft, they'd be up there in 12 minutes, 15 minutes. 67 times that same year, that's how it occurred, where they'd be up, you know, if the smallest little aircraft went off course, whereas on June 1st, a few months before it, they changed that ruling so that now Rumsfeld had to be, a, you know, a, a talked to before anyone would go up. So that's some way you can explain why it took an hour and 40 minutes to scramble jets, while normal NORAD standard procedure would have had jets were airborne in 12 to 15 minutes. So, you know, that's right there is preposterous, that our trillion-dollar air defense and air surveillance didn't work that day. Well, it is. And I, now you've seen, of course, you know, the movies about 9-11, you know, because you're doing this. I'm sure that you have to know what's out in the zeitgeist and the culture, right? Well, I couldn't bear to go see 93. I, you know, it still touches me way too much. I'm very sensitive, and I don't go to scary movies and, and violent movies. But I did go to Oliver Stone's, and that really was very well done. I mean, it did make me cry a lot, but it was there was no, nothing dishonest about that film. If he no, would come out with all, but another film, a companion piece that really goes into the, the story, and he knows the story from Charlie Sheen, who's the only actor to come forward on this subject. Wow. But now I hear he's going another direction. No, that can't be. No. <laughs> I know. It's true. Well, he, let's talk about the he people. He hired who... the guy that wrote the uh, TV film about how Clinton is, a, is responsible for all the problems. He hired him to write a, a script, which is really disappointing. Oh, no. Well, that's what happens with politics. The people who want to cover up things are bigger in numbers, you know, more powerful because they're in that position. And what do you, you know, the best thing that you can do is just keep on going forward with this message, but do you have fears of, you know, what's going to, let's take it to the devil's, you know, devil's advocate position. And, you know, we know that 
when you take it to branches of government, they're going to have pressure to go with what, of course, what the country's well, line is. Cindy, what we have done, in other words, this isn't hopeless. There is something that we can do. We have already had two convenings of a citizen's grand jury on 9-11 in 04 and 05, and we're planning one for 07 in March. And we want to make it very, very much more legal with a lot of help from attorneys and you know, legal experts. And what we've discovered is that the grand jury system is the forgotten fourth branch of government. And it was designed by our founding fathers to be a check on the government. But in 1946, they decided to pass a little ruling. They snuck it through to counteract the, the Bill of Rights, saying that, oh, you can't have independent grand juries. You know, they're runaway grand juries. You have to have the prosecuting attorney in charge. And, you know, so they've become just these impotent things. But now, if we could really get a group of, you know, heavy-handed, heavy, you know, bowlers to help us get this through, we could do a much more serious one that could at least be a PR venue, you know, avenue, but also to really have some legal peace. And so that's what we're planning. And we invite people to come and help us at 911truthla.us. And oh, uh, this good. is a serious thing. We've got other cities lined up, New York, D.C., San Diego, now someone from Philadelphia. They want to do one in London next August. There's a big group over there to do more of an international thing on this because it's really well known in Europe, but we just don't hear anything about all this evidence. For instance, did you know that Bush's brother, Marvin, headed up the security company that was in charge of the towers and Logan, Logan Airport and United Airlines? And no, I, I read that in your report, and I and, and his I cousin just also was involved. <laughs> Excuse me. His cousin was also, you know, involved in this company. No, I it's it's. It, you would know that, you know. It's uh, you know it's unbelievable. There was another movie that was on that was very controversial, and that was the movie that questioned the way that Madeleine Albright. And I don't know if you and I are talking about the same one where they tried to point the finger at, at President Clinton. Um, yeah, I didn't see it, but I just read about it. How they it was very, very well done. And basically, I, I, I will say this. The bottom line in that particular movie was not really, it wasn't necessarily pointing the finger. It was an equal opportunity offender, okay? The screenwriter sure. really, you know, you know, was very fair in talking about the fact that it wasn't really any individual's fault, but it was the way that Washington is built politically that didn't allow major decision makers to make a decision when we could have taken, you know, major steps to prevent. I mean, there were terrorists. There were people that are mad at us. But now there's like 90% more after 9-11. And the ones involved with 9-11 were probably kind of actors because there's no two families closer than the, the Bin Ladens and the Bushes. I think they are, you know, joined at the hip. Well, that's so Osama that's is frequently forgotten, and it's multi-generational. This yes. is lots of money. This is lots of oil. People forget it. There are pictures of the Bush administration and Bin Laden together. Mm-hmm. This is and not. A, this is. This is real. Bush's grandfather Prescott worked very closely with Adolf Hitler. He even was under charges after the war from the U.S. government for having collaborated with the Nazis. So the money that they have collected today is blood money from World War II. They were involved with the concentration camps. I mean, it sounds so shocking. I hate to give too many things out like this because people say, oh, no, it couldn't all be true. But then I think it was Goebbels that said, the bigger the lie, the easier it is to get people to believe it. Because they, they can't imagine that all of these horrible things could be true. And, no, it's, you know, um, I, I understand. I want to wish you, we have another couple of minutes, so I'm not cutting you off yet, but I just want to congratulate Dr. Kathleen Farrick, Rosenblatt, yay! <laughs> no, I, I, I just, for, I mean, obviously, you're taking, you know, a very strong position and pulling a lot of intelligent people and educated people together to, you know, help explain and educate people that not everything is how it looks. Right. And, We'd love um, people to come tomorrow night to UCLA. This will be a very interesting film, and it's at Royce Hall in room 190. We're asking a suggested donation of $10. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then we can really talk. We've got a great, you know, the videographer will be there for the Q&A. And, uh, you know, we just really want people to come together because we're building a force now. It's not like we're not on a losing team anymore. There is a real force gathering all over the country. 
and all over the world. But it's still underground. It's under the radar. I have more faith in the people around the world. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm not. Be, I'm really not being anti-American. I just I'm not think, either. I you know. America. I just think that. I, I just think that the administration and the people in power in the administration are so powerful at influencing people in Congress and you know people in legislature and you know local government. It's you know, it's a bully government today, and that's what concerns me in, you know, moving forward with this. But I know that you have the um, the power and the intelligence and the group of people to do it, and I congratulate you well, for it. You so I much. really, really do. I want to thank you so much for joining us. There's the not show many this people morning. like in your position that will take this on, so I really laud you for being so bold and so courageous. Hey, I grew up in Queens, and my father was a Nazi escapee. Nothing scares me. You've got the right person here, honey. (laughs) Well, even my 87-year-old father back in western New York has had three meetings with his community about this. And and he was a staunch Republican his whole life. It was only when Bush came along that he started, you know, voting Democrat. But I'm so proud of him. Yay. Well, listen, we have to wrap up, and I hope to see you on Friday night. And lots of luck with going forward. And please, if you need anything from me, just email me, okay? Thank you so much, Cindy. All right. You take care. Okay. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Unlimited talk at your fingertips, voiceamerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment. That's R A K N R O L L Entertainment.com. Or call 1 818 597 0700. charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions. We do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Now back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're back, and for those of you that were listening, God, that was a pretty heavy subject that we were talking about. Um, and I might say an interesting juxtaposition for our next guest, who is the author of The Power of Nice. Welcome, Linda Kaplan-Thaler. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, just to let you in on the joke, <laughs> it's not really a joke, but it's it's really heavy stuff. We were talking about the truth about 911 from, you know, and this is by no means a group of, you know, um, you know, no means a group of leftists. I mean, it's an educated group of people with PhDs in engineering and all of that kind of stuff that are coming together to try to demonstrate to the public what really happened on that horrible day. And now we have you talking about your book, The Power of Night. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a switch! My goodness. But you know what? It's um, listen. There's all kinds of things out there, and all kinds of messages, and that's what makes the world go around. And um, I'm very impressed by your book. Very impressed with you. You know, you have been in the advertising industry by, you know, for quite some time. Yes, I started when I was five, so that would make me about 35 right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I think we, uh, you know, we we 
we got to where we are, you know, obviously we hopefully we have the brains and the creativity, but the style was very important also, and that's how we came up with this idea of the power of nice, because uh, nobody talks about it in business books. No, you definitely have found your niche, um, and I and I want to find out more about it. There's a lot of people, particularly women, you know, who really haven't found the business world, um, you know, to be nice. I, I think that a lot of well, well, it's true. I mean, it hasn't been. I mean, that's one of the reasons we had to write this book was because that there are pockets of places where people are exhibiting nice behavior and they're getting you know better attention from their employees. And by the way, being nice statistically, people who are nice and congenial live longer than people who aren't. Um, they have half the divorce rate, and. They almost rarely, if ever, get sued. Doctor who talks to his patients on an average of three minutes or more than the average doctor uh, rarely, if ever, finds himself in court. So there's also statistical reasons why you need to be nice, but in today's day and age, you have to be nice because otherwise it gets out in cyberspace. We saw what happened with Michael Richards. And of course, immediately no with That's YouTube. Right. You, I mean, you can't even, <laughs> I mean, a, a, a cop can't do anything bad anymore because it's caught on YouTube and there for the world right. to see. <laughs> that's right. And, to, you know, to some extent that's a good thing. Uh, but it also makes you realize that you're living in a, you know, under a microscope. And anything you do, I mean, there's, a, well, there's a website now where you can actually out your boss. So if your boss is rude or abusive to the messenger or the secretary, well, you know what? He's going to be out there someplace in cyberspace. Somebody can find that out if they're looking for a job. So, you know, we wrote the book, and we got amazing stories, uh, many from Jay Leno, who I don't know, talk about nice people, uh, but love the idea of the book so much that he actually wrote the foreword for us. And um, the book has been on every bestseller list across the country. And, you must feel uh, really great about that, Linda. <laughs> thank you. And it's and it's and it crossed way over from a business book to a self help book. So we've got you know clergy reading it, and um, and we've got um, educators and and college students reading it, and it's been making a great Christmas gift. Uh, people have been giving it to their coworkers because if you have one coworker that you don't like, how can you single him or her out? Right. No, <laughs> no, well, nice. no, you're absolutely you the right. Bunch, and right. I have to tell you, though, from the packaging of the book, you know, the cover of the book, it, you know, and I don't know if this was, you know, kind of covertly intentional, but it, it totally looks like, yeah, it, it could be a business book, but the colors and the little right. smiley face certainly makes it easy to put it on those self-help shelves as well. That's right, yeah. And, you know, so, but of course, you're a brilliant marketer. <laughs> well, I hope, you know, I hope we do what we do well. You know, we're the company that brings everybody uh, Affleck, the Affleck duck. And uh, in my other life, I wrote, uh, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. You wrote that? I wrote that many you were, years ago. You were, look at that. <laughs> Well, you know, at least you weren't writing copy for things that weren't as fun because that would be a problem. Right. <laughs> I also wrote, you know, that woman in the shower for herbal essences. Yes, yes, yes. You know what? You're brilliant. I'll never forget well, that commercial that. at all because you, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, sexuality and a hair shampoo commercial <laughs> in an innocent way, and you've managed to pull it off. I could just see you sitting there with the client saying, I want it to be sexy, but, you know. Well, they wanted to sell bottles of shampoo, and that certainly, you know, wanted to promise a good experience in the shower, so that that was very helpful. But I think what's interesting about the book is that, you know, if you go onto our website, thepowerofnice.com, you can take the first ever Nice Q test. And we've had over 100,000 people visiting the site in the last couple of months going online to take this test and sending it to their friends because you think you're nice, but when you take this test, which was actually developed by a psychologist, a doctor, um, you realize that, you know, nice is like a muscle, like, you know, like an abdominal exercise. That you can, <laughs> the nice muscle. The nice muscle, and you can make yourself nicer, and you need to be nicer. Um, we all need to be nicer. We're, it's, this, our society is so rude. It's unbelievable. Um, you have companies firing people via email. It's, it's just disgusting. Oh, Linda, I'm, I'm totally with you. I don't know if you know my background, but I headed up. PR and marketing for Playboy Enterprises for 15 years. Ah, okay. <laughs> and you know what? I really <laughs> thought I was network, nice. yeah. I, but, you know, when you report to somebody like U.M. Hefner, um, 
you know, and I love the Hefners, I mean, so I'm not going to, I'm going to be nice. Um, You know, but it's hard to be nice, and I want to ask you this question. When you, when you have, you're reporting to a founder of a company who, you know, feels that all of his division heads' jobs are to not be nice, you know, like, well, you know, I mean, he just really felt that, get it done, get it done. Well, it done. you know, the, that, uh, that model, you know, that, that pre-Enron model, it doesn't work the way it used to work. Uh, mean, as we say, is, is so last millennium. I, of course, you're tying it to a great trend, and I love that. <laughs> it's 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 just um, it's the way that you know the the Gordon Ge- the Gordon Gecko. It, it used to work. You used to yell at somebody, and they would just do something. And now that person goes, "Oh, really? Yeah. Well, up yours. Yeah. Well, again, <laughs> goes on to Macho.com and gets himself another job. It, you know. So basically, I mean, it seems to me that the cyber culture has really changed the way that people act and that authority can't have that top-of-the-mountain authority yeah. that they once had. It, it's it's That's no exactly longer right. a top-down kind of corporate society. It's not tolerated because the people and smart people and nice people can all communicate on the Internet Mm-hmm. And that's where the power really is. It's true. And, you know, we talk about this notion of not worrying about stealing somebody else a slice of the pie. The new paradigm is just make a bigger pie um, because everything now is infinite. The, the, uh, the you know, job opportunities are infinite and ways to make money. We have people, there's a culture growing of, of entrepreneurial business people who are making money in second life, you know, as avatars. You know, in, in in their you know cyber versions of themselves online, they're they're starting companies, and right. so, I mean, amazing things are happening. And when you begin to share credit, you know, uh, Harry Truman, one of our great presidents, said, you know, you can accomplish anything in your lifetime as long as you don't mind who gets the credit for it. And it's really true. If we can just abandon that old model of you know, uh, it's a zero sum game, and the only way I win is for you to lose. If you can just put that aside for a minute. And see the possibilities of collaboration, like Sony and Samsung, two arch rivals getting together and developing a flat screen TV. I mean, we're starting to see more and more companies going. Wait a second, I have an opportunity here to to make my business even bigger if I if I enlist the enemy, so to speak. No, it's true. Well, Roper, you know, I, I did a little bit of research on this and trends and all of that kind of stuff, just so that I could sound a little intelligent when I was talking to you. You sound plenty intelligent. <laughs> And that's, by the way, one of the other things we talk about in the book is don't be so smart. We all walk around trying to try to be the smartest person in the room. You know, what about letting the other person seem smart, which Jay Leno talks about. You know, one of the reasons he gets guests back is because he, try to make, he tries to make sure that they, they feel funnier. Well, you know what? It's, it's true. And there was a, Robert did a study about um, a shift toward more of a cooperative society rather than a competitive society. And that's, that's right. the way that it has to be. Um, in order for us to move forward in this internet culture, in this recession, you know, um, you know, which seems to be where we are at right now. Yes, there's fluctuations, but we are in a recession. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I read your stuff and I'm like, you know what, this really makes sense. And I have to tell you that I've made a concerted effort to really be nice. Um, you know, I'm one of the people that were in this quote, end quote, powerful position. I say that in quotes, and I don't take it seriously, okay? <laughs> and I decided to leave it um, because I don't know if I really liked who I was anymore. And, yeah, that's you know, at the end of the day, you know, they say it's lonely at the top, and I say, well, maybe it's lonely because you don't want anybody get to the top with you, you know? Well, it, you know, it, it just, I, I just had to look myself in the mirror and say, you know, is this really me? I mean, I'm really a nice person. I grew up in Queens, and right. know, come on. <laughs> I know what happened to all that great. You know, we're all born with this DNA to be very collaborative, and then we read business books like uh, Business Tactics of Attila the Hun and Leadership Soprano Style and Swim with the Sharks, and then we watch reality shows where we kind of, you know, are taught you have to eat your young in order to, you know, be the last one left on the island and. No. Boy, it ain't so in the boardrooms I'm in. You know, no, it is no, all about I, collaboration. Know, I love the way you talk. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break. Do you mind staying on for another 10 minutes to talk about I'd your book? I'd love it. And 
making people buy the power of nice and making them nicer. <laughs> <laughs> Always want to do that. Um, no, I, I do, and I love the commercials that you, I mean, oh, God, I mean, they're better than the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> you know, you know the whole joke, Linda, that everybody in the advertising industry always says, well, yeah, I worked on the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, we won, uh, actually, there was an icon contest uh, for Marketing Week a couple of years back, and we won over the Ener- Energizer Bunny. You know, our, our little duck won. We were well, so there proud you of go. Them. And you're nice. Well, stay tuned, and okay. um, we're going to talk more about the power of nice in a few minutes. Okay. Okay, thanks. Streaming the world over, voiceamerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment, that's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L, entertainment.com. Or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions, we do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. West Coast Business Review and host Amy Campbell presents Show Me the Business. Each week, you'll hear exciting guests give you vital information on advancing your business and career. Learn how others have built their empires, from best-selling authors to renowned entertainers. Listen every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific time on VoiceAmericaRadio.com. Visit our website at www.WestCoastBusinessReview.com. West Coast Business Review's Show Me the Business, connecting you to the business world. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now let's get back to more stars of PR. Here's your host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Yes, stars of PR. PR is the business where you're supposed to be nice, and we're talking about the power of nice with Linda Kaplan-Thaler, and I thank you for being with me for two segments, Linda. Thank you. Uh, My pleasure. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask you some, you know, um, specific questions. You know, people are so mean in business. I mean, you know this. That's why you wrote the book. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that I keep on coming into contact with, particularly as running my own business and, you know, um, you know, it's a different shift. You know, I have clients now. I'm not, you know, the Tilla the Hun's daughter. <laughs> um, and, you know, I watch people um, try to, quote, unquote, operate. Mm-hmm. And I watch the fingers being pointed, mm-hmm. and I'm not in a position where I used to be, where I could, you know, make power plays. I'm just not, you know. I'm just a consultant. Um, and so many times, I I find myself struggling inside. You know, what do I do now? I have no choice but to be nice mm-hmm. because you know they're my clients and they're you know paying retainers. I can't not be nice. Right. Um, but I find myself having a lot of bile liquids going on in my in my digestive system. Yeah, well, you can't keep those those bile liquids down. The, the fact is that you know you've got to be honest. One of the things we talk about in the book is telling the truth. But you can tell the truth in a way that that's very positive. You know, I, I've been calling it lately a yes sandwich. You know, even when you have to say no to somebody, how do you sandwich it in between two yeses? A uh, client makes a very demanding ask of you. I need you to work, you know, the next four weekends, whatever. Um, you start with a yes. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, I I am so flattered that, you know, could you start with a point of truth um, that you value me that, you know, that much that you, that you, that you need me for that amount of time. 
uh, it really shows um, how much you value my opinion. Uh, and now you go to your no. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to work on the weekends. I have a family or whatever. Or, you know, I have other commitments. Um, and then you come back to the yes. But I want to find a way to really help you. Perhaps I can work in the evenings. Um, or there's somebody else I know who actually has been dying to get into the PR business who would like to help as well. And maybe I can also come in early a couple of days. In other words, how do you find a yes even when you need to say a no? Being nice is not not about being a doormat. Uh, it's actually a very powerful adjective. It's right. a way of, 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 of doing it so that, you know, it may not be the straight line that you would hope for, but it's a way of getting what you want uh, in a way that empowers other people and makes other people actually feel good in the process. Um, I think that we, we're so busy trying to steal credit, have the light. You know, we're all kind of like starring in our own movie. It was a great Buddhist philosopher once said, when you go through life, don't expect applause. And right. I thought that was so profound because he kind of encapsulated it all. You know, we're, we're all in our own movie and we forget that there isn't an audience out there because everybody's in their own movie. And once in a while, you've got to put your head on somebody else's shoulders, see the world from their perspective, and it's really hard to be angry at anybody, no matter what they say to you, when you start looking at the world from their perspective. Um, and it's a great therapeutic tool. I mean, you know, you have a fight with somebody, and the first thing you want to do is retort with an angry comment back, as opposed to saying, okay, maybe this comment has nothing to do with me. Maybe that person had a bad day. Maybe this person feels threatened by my job. Whatever it is. Let me put my head on his or her shoulders just for a minute and see it from their perspective. Well, no, it's it's very interesting. It's very altruistic, um, you know. And what do you do? And what does a person do if they want to be nice when they know that they're totally being sabotaged? You know, it happens. Well, you know, we sound we have a we have a chapter called "Help Your Enemies." Um, so much of the book is very counterintuitive. It's nothing like you've ever been told, you know, in, in a business or marketing course. But we found there are very few enemies in life. Um, you have your Osama bin Ladens. You have people who are trying to kill or really hurt you. And then you have business competition. And, and most of the time those people are not really destined to always be your enemies. I mean, that person you're vying for a job um, or promotion against, um, I don't know, a year from now could be starting their own business and, and list you to be their partner. People change. That's one of the things we talk about in the book. Don't assume somebody's position is their position forever. I had a woman come into my office. We, we have a policy at our agency, answer every phone call, answer every email. I don't care if it's a window washer um, looking for spare change. Uh, that person deserves a response. If they're not important to you, they are to somebody, and treat them that way. And this woman was looking for a job. We didn't have something for her, but because she had been in a sister agency that fell apart, we invited her to the agency. Well, she wasn't looking for a job. She was somebody that I knew 25 years ago and was in a position to give our company millions of dollars worth of business. And she gave it to us that day, and I asked her why. And she said, well, when I was a uh, an assistant, a lowly assistant at uh, J. Walter Thompson, where I used to work many years ago, um, you were one of the creative directors, and you were the only one in the group that treated me with respect. And I've been you waiting back at you. 20 years it came back at you. Yeah, it comes back at you. When you put out a positive imprint, you plant a seed, and you never know when it's going to flower, but it will. No, it does. It does. It, it, you know, there is that saying, saying, be nice to people as, you know, you're going up the ladder because you never know who you're going to meet when they're coming down. That's right. And um, I think that's very true. And even when I was kind of in an environment where, um, you know, the joke was, I, I mean, you know, there were certain people at the company that really liked me being "quote unquote" Fidel Castroitz. <laughs> it was a, you know, it was it was just the company culture. It, you know, it's a 55 year old company, and you know, that's the way it was. You know what I mean? And but there were people who always said, you know, if you really know Cindy, if you really know her, she'll buy a house for you. If you need it to That's be. right. Well, you know, I had uh, a very positive experience with Donald Trump. I was on The Apprentice. Uh, our agency was on The Apprentice twice, and we featured his wife in an Aflac commercial. And um, when I, they were about to put the cameras on us for one of the episodes, he this is the first time that I had met him, and I had met him on the first episode. 
and I whispered in his ear, oh, we were the agency that um, had your wife in an Affleck commercial, and he said, you guys were so nice to her on the shoot, and I said, well, you know, that's our policy. We treat everybody like a star, whether they are or they aren't, you know, and um, he whispered in my ear, you were so nice to my wife, where do you see the way I treat you on network TV, and proceeded to say the most wonderful things on network TV about our agency, and you know, it was an example of you never know. You never know. Did we treat his wife nice because she was married to Donald Trump? No. That's the way we treat everybody. Right, right. But here was an example of a positive imprint. And conversely, you throw out a negative imprint, you insult the messenger, you think it's not going to have any effect on you, it will. If for no other reason, because you look in the mirror and you're going to know that you're not the nice person you thought you were, that you're being selective about who you're being kind to, and you try walking into your next meeting and looking at your client in the eye and truthfully saying to that client, if you go with us, you're going with people who are kind, who care about your business. It's very hard when you don't feel that way about yourself. It leaks all over your face. I'm not really a nice guy. I think that's true. You pick up the insincerity. Isn't you that pick right? It up. I mean, instinctually, you pick up the insincerity. Right. Nice has to be twenty four seven, and you can't choose who to be nice to. You just oh, you have to wake up being nice, and if you fall off of the nice meter, you have to get right back on it again. And and never imagine, by the way, that person that you decided to not talk to next to on the plane or the train. Never make an assumption that that doesn't matter, because you you may have closed the door on your entire future. One of the women that we spoke to was on a train, and she was decided to chat with the woman next to her, and the woman was visiting her grandmother, and she decided to split a cab with this girl and uh, help her with her bags up to her grandmother's because it was like a five-flight walk-up, and she was thinking, why am I helping this total stranger with a bag? Well, she right. got to know the grandmother, who was the mother-in-law of Charlie Parker, right, famous jazz artist, and she got friendly with the grandmother, and when not only did the grandmother bring her to all these great jazz clubs, but when this woman, a couple years later, lost her job... She said to her, you know what, we have a farmhouse outside of Paris. Why don't you live there? She told her old employer she was moving, and the employer said to her, you know, we had a close-up shop in New York, but we're opening up something in Europe. Why don't you head up the European shop? She ended up living rent-free in this gorgeous, gorgeous house in France running this company. Her entire future changed because she decided to talk to somebody on the train. Well, that's a nice that's the power story. Of I was going to say that's a very <laughs> nice story. <laughs> oh, I have, I mean, we have so many more on our blog, thepowerofnice.com, and so many more in the book. Uh, great, it's a great, book great that time I think everybody should be giving out for the holidays because, yes. you know what, there's a lot of sayings, but nobody is ever going to say to you, don't be nice. That's right. I mean, you know, and I again, I was thrilled when the PR agency called me with this. I, I got a... You know, I got a kick out of it because I really want to be. And a lot of people really want to be, but they're taught not to be. So I really thank you for writing this book and marketing the book and being such an intelligent person with great little talking points and great little anecdotes and getting Jay Leno to write the foreword of your book. And it was all because you were so nice. Well, everybody out there is. It's just getting in touch with your inner nice well, I want everybody for the holidays to get in touch with their inner nice and buy this book. Okay, the <laughs> power you. of nice. I want to thank you so much, Linda. My pleasure. For Good luck to you. I wish you a lot. You know, a lot of great joy and a fun holiday and a fun next. You know, how many ever years? Okay. <laughs> Keep take on being nice. It'll be longer, right? <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific time for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. We'll see you next week.